you know, um, I've been in and out as of late, and uh, we've been in this transition, and so, you know, uh, Pastor Pete, you know, has been taking more and more of the responsibilities of the church. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we're in a transition. Uh, June 4th, uh, the Paton will be fully passed. And uh, what you don't realize is that it's pretty much passed now in a lot of ways. So, so, uh, um, so I actually, you know, humbled myself and asked him what he wanted me to preach today. And so, you know, when you go to a church as a guest speaker, you always do that. You know, and I walked in today and they said, oh, are you the guest speaker today? I heard that several times when I walked in the door. And so, uh, but, uh, but I'm excited. Pastor Pete chose the, the series and, uh, and so I just said to him, what do you want me to preach? And he said, well, you know, how about, you know, the fifth lesson here is about legacy. I said, okay. So I, you know, I got down looked up the word in the dictionary and then I realized legacy that's what people think of you after you die. I'm not dead. <laughs> you know, I mean, transition is one thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Don't think too far ahead about this thing, all right? So this morning, uh, we're going to go for it. We're going to learn some things. We're going to dive into Joshua, Moses, and maybe where we are today and all this. So turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, and uh, let's dive in together. Lord, I just pray you would just take these moments and uh, lead us, Father, to really have your heartbeat. Lord, help us to let go of the past and take hold of the future. Help us, Lord, to Leave those things which are behind and reach forward to the things that are ahead. Lord, that's our heart today, and we just submit these moments to you. Speak to us, speak to us, speak to us, each one of us, where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you some questions. What if you were to die today? What would your legacy be? How do you feel about your past? Not everyone feels very positive about their past, and it would be very easy for all of us to think about the things in our past that would not be positive. But let's turn into Joshua 1. Here we go. Let's dive in and let's get a perspective of how we today start building fresh legacy. Here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, surely they knew he had died. You know what I mean? Why did God have to say to Joshua, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. Why did he have to say that? Well, maybe he was actually announcing it because Moses died on a mountain. God buried him himself. Nobody even knew where he was buried. Uh, God took care of that. Maybe he was actually telling him. I know you haven't seen Moses in a few days, but by the way, he's dead. I mean, maybe that was happening. But more than that, what he was saying to him was, look, 
this is over, a phase of what I'm doing that is over, and today is a new day, and so you've got to rise up and be the person that I've called you to be. And here's, here's what he said. Um, well, let, let's, let's pause for a minute. Because, you know, I've, I kind of feel bad for Moses. Sometimes I feel very sad about Moses' life. I mean, if you think about what that man went through, I mean, it's just no, nobody should have to go through what he went through. First of all, he grew up in a Hebrew, he grew up as a Hebrew in an Egyptian home. He, among all the kids, was considered the outsider. And then as he got into the prime of his life, he goes actually to his Hebrew people thinking he was going to make a difference. It ends up killing a guy, burying him in the sand. Somebody saw it, and they rejected him. And he had to go into exile for 40 years. Listen, what, what, if, what if he had died then? What if he had died then? What, what would his life, his legacy have been about? What would his legacy have been? And so for 40 years, he's dealing with the fact that his life is a mess. For 40 years, he's dealing with the fact that he was rejected because he had murdered somebody. For 40 years, he's dealing with the disappointment of who he was. And then after that 40 years, God shows up in this bush that was burning, and he gives him a call that takes him way beyond himself, and he calls him to deliver these Hebrew people, his people, from Egypt and lead them to the promised land. And so Moses rises up hesitantly, as it was. He went into Egypt and boldly defied the Pharaoh. Ten plagues later, he marches out of Egypt with a million-plus people, and nobody is stopping him. They've been so inundated by the plagues that no one is lifting a finger, and he's taking all of the riches of the land with him. Whatever he wants, he's taking it. And they just walk out defiantly out of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. You know the story. He stretches out his rod in his hand, and the Red Sea is parted. The ground is dry. They walk across that thing. You're talking about a victory. And he comes into the, he comes to the other side, and uh, they celebrate. And then God calls him to the mountaintop. And on the mountain, he meets God as close to God as anybody has ever gotten probably in the, in, the, in the physical sense, and God gives him the Ten Commandments, and he, he comes down from the mountain, and then they go to the promised land, and they send spies in, and they come back, and they're about to fulfill the dream. We are moments. We are a few days away of seeing the dream fulfilled, and you know the story. First, they wouldn't go in. Why? Because they saw the lion. They saw the lion. The giants in the land. They became afraid, gripped with fear. They saw the lion and they turned like scaredy cats and ran the other way. It is a huge problem in the human psyche. So they refused to go, and then they realized God got upset about it, and then they couldn't go. 
They tried, and they couldn't go. And Moses, you got to put yourself in this man's shoes. Moses was moments away from fulfilling the dream. And God sends him with a million-plus rebellious people into the wilderness for 40 more What if he had died then? What what would his legacy have been if he had died then? Well, Moses simply obeys God, and he goes into the Holy of Holies. He worships the Lord. He just continues on and just obeys. That's all he knows to do. And God is going to kill the people, you know, and and, uh, because they were so rebellious, and Moses stands in the way, actually defies. You know, we're, we're we're the kind of people who go, well, God's judgment is rather, well, it must be the will of God. Moses didn't do that. He stood in the way of God's wrath. And God honored him and saved those people. That was the kind of man that Moses became while he was in the wilderness. And he gets to the end. And their children now have come up. And when he gets to the end, he gets to the mountaintop, he sees the promised land. And God says, no, you're not going to go. They're going to go. Joshua's going to lead them. Uh, But you're not going to go. What was his legacy then? Because he did die. What did he leave behind? Disappointment, discouragement, a hard life. That's how most people turn and look at their past. Man, I tried, I tried, but, and I survived, but did I really succeed? That's where he was. Maybe that is what you think your legacy is. But let's keep reading. God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And listen to these words. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I said to Moses. Did you know this is not the first time those words are given? That actually, uh, just a short time before that, Moses stood up in front of the people and gave what we know today as the book of Deuteronomy, and he actually gave a record of the history of what had happened to them because they were the kids. that was their parents that had crossed the Red Sea. And so he's giving them the whole story, and he tells them, and he brings them up to date, and he actually says to them these words, Moses God is speaking through Moses, and Moses says to them, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, uh, God has given to you. It's in Deuteronomy 11. You don't have to turn to it. But those, the, God actually turns to Joshua and repeats the words. It's almost as if Moses and Joshua were one. It's almost as if 
they were experiencing something together. That as Moses passed the baton to Joshua, that the legacy became bigger than any one of them. That Joshua had walked along with Moses, that Joshua had been there with him, even in the tent, worshiping God and experienced the presence of God. He was with Moses when he stood against the wrath of God. He was with Moses when they defeated the enemy as they marched through the wilderness. Joshua was connected eternally with Moses. It was as if Moses and he were one person. We don't realize how connected we are to one another. We, have no, we don't realize that in the kingdom of God, legacy is not about an individual. It's not about your personal vision. It's about God's vision and mission and us carrying that burden together. That's, that's what the kingdom is like. That's how God sees things. He's not, his, his vision is not tied to one person. In fact, the impact that you have in another person's life. I'm going to challenge you to turn around and just give thanks to God for all those years where you've had opportunities. You don't realize the difference you've had, the difference you've made in somebody's life. They're actually carrying on and accomplishing great things because of something you said, because of the life you live, and you don't even realize it. In 1937, my mother's here this morning, the year she was born, a missionary went from America to India and walked into a village knowing no one and just began to sing hymns and preach the gospel. There was a young boy around the corner in his home, and he heard the commotion. He couldn't leave because he was working for his father. By the way, he kept books, and he was stealing money from his father, his father's business. And he was so guilt-ridden by it that he had followed many gods, had made these spiritual journeys, had uh, fasted and prayed and beat his own body. He He could not relieve himself from the guilt and the shame. And so he heard this commotion, and he sent one of his father's servants to see what was happening. And the servant went, and he heard the gospel, and he went up to this man and said, my my, uh, master's son sent me uh, to see what was going on because he heard you from a distance. And the missionary gives him his Bible and said, take this to him. He turns around and walks out of the village. The servant goes back, gives him the Bible, and the boy looks, opens it up, and there are marked verses, and he begins to read them and study them and discovers the mercy and the grace of this God. And he realizes that all these other gods were coming for a perfect person, a perfect people. But this God was coming on behalf of the sinner. This God was coming to save the guilt-ridden. And so he responded. He read Ephesians chapter 2 that that his salvation was based on grace, not on works. And he, without an altar call, without anybody telling him how to do it, nobody leading him in a sinner's prayer, simply said, you are my God. I want that forgiveness. And gave his heart to Christ. His family couldn't handle it, and they decided to 
just get rid of him. They poisoned his food. He learned about it moments before he went down to eat. He escaped the house. He went to a place where the lowest of the low caste, the untouchables, where they lived. And he had no clothes except the clothes on his back. He had no food. He had no money. And God just stuck with him. And some of you have read the story. It's in the book, The Untouchables. God of the Untouchables. And he, God leads him to this family and that one and a pastor and a missionary and an evangelist. Eventually, he's being mentored and trained and he comes to America and goes to a Bible school and gets his degree and, and then he uh, starts a missions organization that sends him back and he goes back and, and plants a Bible school and starts training Christians how to uh, teach and preach the word and how to win the nation for Christ. And listen, it was small, but in its day, it was the prime Bible school in India. It was recognized as the best Bible school in India. There wasn't a whole lot going on back then, but, but his was the best. And so it was a great day. And yet, as time went on, he began to get discouraged. Some things didn't go right, and the, the, the board kind of got, you know, they decided to take some controls and change some things. And he went on a long trip, came back, and things weren't too good, and it started to fall apart. And uh, this is in the 70s. And so by the time he died in 1977, the year Carol and I got married, this man was in discouragement. His legacy had been lost. The Bible school was headed in a direction under other people's leadership that was coming away from the mission of leading people to Christ. What a disappointment, right? His son, one of his sons, the most rebellious of the crowd, after his father died, rose up as a believer, grew in Christ. Five years later, the son takes the ministry and God gives him fresh vision and he turns it around. And today, 30 years later, that ministry has 10,000 churches across India, is now teaching people how to plant churches in China and Indonesia and the Philippines and Korea, not South Korea, and Nepal. Here I am, hatching to a vision that came from some guy, I don't know who he is, that walked into a village and preached the gospel in 1937. Now I'm becoming a part of his legacy, right? Do you see this? We don't realize what impact we have when we just encourage somebody or share our faith with somebody. We may see no results, but the results come. It might happen after we die. Let me finish reading this. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, 
As far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. By the way, this is exactly what Moses said to them before he died. And now God is telling Joshua. The, these, these verses are back there in Deuteronomy. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And then he says, as I was with you, Moses, so, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, I'm going to help us right now how to build your legacy beginning today. Are you ready? Here we go. The first one is go long. Go long. I'm not talking about the play calling of Tom Brady or Matt Ryan this afternoon. Go long. I was in the airport at JFK Friday night having my first American meal after four weeks, okay? And so I sat down in the food court, and I was eating, and I looked up, and I was surrounded by Patriots jerseys because, you know, it's this weekend, so anybody that is a Patriots fan is wearing their paraphernalia, and they, everybody around me is wearing hats, shirts, they're all it's just like this. And so I looked up and I thought, let's have some fun. So I said, go Bills! <laughs> Everybody turned and looked at me and they went, they started laughing, you know. And, and every one of them is telling me what's wrong with the Bills. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had a great time with that. I actually had a good conversation with some of the people that were there. But you, it's not, we're not talking here about that going long. I'm talking about discover the Joshua within you. You, you see, we are like schizophrenic. We are Joshua and we are Moses. We're both. We, Moses is our past. Moses is dead, but turn around now. Turn around in your life and look at Moses in your life. Yesterday and the days before, that's Moses. Moses is, look at how God was with Moses. Yes, there were some failures. Yes, there were some trouble. Yes, there were disappointments. But look how God never left Moses. He has always stayed with you. He has never left you. That's Moses. But tomorrow morning when you wake up, God is going to say, arise, Joshua. Arise, stand up. See, what God wants is he wants you to take on fresh, big vision. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants the challenge of a dream that's bigger than life. It's bigger than your life. It's bigger than what you can accomplish on your own. And listen, we, we, we face things in our lives that seem like they're just way too big for us, but that's exactly how you were designed. God designed you to stand up against giants. God designed you to chase lions into their own pit. He's designed us that way. And the reason we get discouraged and overcome, and well, the, the reason is we're not living out our destiny. We've got to rise up in the moment and learn that the lion is not there to defeat me. The lion is there to be chased. He's there to be defeated. That's why you were led to that gate of hell. 
so that you could pull down the gate. And so we have to dream big. We have to think long. How can my life have an impact that will go beyond me, that will, be, that, that will go beyond anything I could accomplish? I've got to think big. Even if I have one more day to live, I've got to think big because we've been designed that way by God. Go long. Go to the place where courage is your only option. Did you know that God said to Joshua three times and just within a few short verses, he says, Joshua, be strong and take courage. And then he says something else. By the way, Joshua, be strong and take courage. And he says something else. He says, Joshua, don't, don't forget, be strong and take courage. Why did he do that? Because if Joshua was not strong, did not learn how to find his place of strength, if Joshua would not rise up and be courageous, it was over, baby. I mean, he was facing stuff that there's no way he could accomplish or even survive unless he was strong and had courage. That's how we have been designed. We have got to be standing in that place where it seems to be overwhelming because that's where we grow. That's where we rise up. That's where God does his thing in spite of us. That's where our weaknesses become his place of strength. That's why we're there in that place, the place where courage is the only option. Number two, number one, go long. Number two, when, 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 when Joshua was leading them in, just before they crossed the Jordan, that's, you know, just as Moses crossed the Red Sea, they had to cross the Jordan. And just before he crossed the Jordan, he said, oh, wait, stop. Today, get your heart right. He said, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart today. And, and this is the way we would say it. Get your heart right today. Because what God has in mind for tomorrow are wonders beyond belief, but we're not going to embrace them if we don't get our heart right. But when we get our heart right, listen, getting your heart right does a lot of things. Getting your heart right says goodbye to Moses. Stand on the good stuff from your legacy, but you've got to let go of the past. Getting your heart right brings forgiveness and mercy. Getting your heart right aligns yourself back up with God's way of thinking. Getting your heart right gets your relationships right with the people around you. Getting your heart right aligns your mind and your heart to get in position to do what God wonders that God wants to do in your life tomorrow. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Now, I've got a statement for you. You got to think, wake up, you got to think. Here we go. Tomorrow, your Joshua of today becomes the Moses of yesterday. Let it sink in. Tomorrow, your Joshua of today becomes the Moses of yesterday. Here's what I'm saying today, you are building your legacy. Tomorrow, yesterday, is in your legacy. That's today, by the way. And so today, so today, 
We've got to make decisions that are right. Today, we've got to treat people right. Today, we've got to get on mission with God and let go of our junk. Today. Because tomorrow, today becomes yesterday, and that becomes my legacy. Number two, three. Number one is go long. Number two is get your heart right. But here's the third. Do the God thing. Do the God thing. Not the Craig thing. Not the you or me thing. Do the God thing and do it God's way. Joshua was by Jericho. He had come across the Jordan and they were now eating the fruit of the land. No more manna. Everything was changing. He had Jericho to conquer, and he had no idea how to do it. And so that morning, he's taking a little walk, and uh, you know the story, and he's, he comes across this big man and a very intimidating-looking character with a big sword in his hand drawn. And so you got to give Joshua some credit. He walks right up to him, and he says, Who are you for? <laughs> Our enemies are for us. What side are you on? And that man, by the way, in my Bible, when it says he, it capitalizes the H. We know this because Joshua ends up worshiping him. You don't worship angels. And so standing before him, we believe it was the Christ himself, is standing before him and, you know, you know, if, if you ask somebody, which side are you on, the right answer would be to say, well, your side or the enemy's side. And the man says, no. Hey, have you, you know, God worked. Have you ever heard God speak to you when you asked a question and his answer had nothing to do with your question? Have you ever had that? It's like, hey, Lord, that's not what I asked. He, he, it's like God saying, you asked the wrong question. That's what happened here. Joshua, you've asked the wrong question. And he just cuts to the quick. He says, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So he's commander of the army of the Lord, but he's not an angel. Joshua fell on his face and worshiped. Now, we know that what angels do when that happens, they say, no, 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 get up. In fact, he said, take the sandals off of your feet. This is a holy And Joshua asked the right question. He said, what does my Lord say to his servant? I know it's hard to get this, but I'm telling you, it's true. The answer is worship. It's not the means to the end. It's not the way you get an answer. Worship is the warfare that wins the battle. Worship is not only an acknowledgement of the King of Kings, and that's the most important part, right? But it's also the place 
where prayers are answered God's way, where, you know, the kingdom of darkness is defeated. Worship is the strategy. Joshua probably had come up with many strategies the night before. They were all laying at the feet of the commander now after he realized that he's not the commander. Lord, what would you have your servant do? What would you say to your servant? That's the thing. We've got to do the God thing, not our thing. And then we have to do it God's way. You see, the Joshua rises up and says to the people, we're, we're going to worship. We're going to go quietly first, march around that place once a day for seven days. Seventh day, we're going to go seven times. And then we're going to blow the trumpet and shout. Worship was not a means to an end. Worship defeated the enemy the practical bricks in the wall fell apart because they worshiped. Jehoshaphat was the same way. Four armies coming against him, and he knew they were just a little, you know, smidget of people compared to the. And so he called a day of fasting and prayer. Lord, what do we do? He, the Bible said he was afraid. He saw the lion, and at first he was afraid, but he called for a day of worship. And the prophet comes to him and he says, today you will not have to fight this battle. The battle is the Lord's. But by the way, you got to get up and go toward the enemy. Don't run. Chase the lion. And Jehoshaphat calls out the worship team and says, you go first. Now, that's a pretty cool thing, you know. Uh, you guys go first. <laughs> And so the worship team goes out, a little band, you know. I was a little kid. Mama remembers this. I was a little kid, and my cousin and I, Kathy, she was always getting me into trouble. And it was never my fault, by the way. And so we, we went down the street because I had a little horn, and she had a little drum, and we just went down the street, and we actually left the house and went down a whole block and just playing our, just doing our little parade. All the, and that's probably what it looked like. And they marched out there, and the Bible says, that the Lord set ambush against the enemy. Well, what is that? It didn't say anything about angels, and I'm sure that was involved, but the Bible does not even explain itself. It just says, and the Lord, while they worshiped, the Lord set ambushes, and all the four armies came against each other, and they all defeated each other. They got to the hill, looked down into the valley, and everybody was dead. Did they fight? No. Oh, yes, they did. They fought in worship. And God set ambushes, whatever that was. God set ambushes. We don't have to know. We just have to obey. We have to worship and listen. Lord, what would you say to your servant? And then do what he says. It's simple. It's not easy. But it's simple. Ultimately, what you want is for his legacy to be yours and for yours to be his. That's what you want. Okay, fast forward a couple thousand years. From us. We, come, we come to the place of Christ. And in fact, it's more than a couple, it's several thousand years. 
we come to the place of Christ, and Jesus goes up onto a mountaintop. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And as when he gets up there and he takes, you know, the three guys, Peter, James, and John with him, they're still kind of in the state of, you know, I don't know what's going on around here. And uh, Jesus all of a sudden is glorified. He's glorified. and he's, he, the, it's, it's called the transfiguration. And they see him in his glory. They're going, wow. And all of a sudden, two dudes show up. Moses and Elijah. Oh. They were there to encourage. There's an implication in the scripture. They're actually there to speak to Christ, to Jesus. He's about to go to the cross. Oh, what they could have told him. Oh, what they could have explained. I've got a little tidbit about that scene that I have never seen before. Now, we know that Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. The law and the prophets, that's a big deal. Even into the New Testament, it's a big deal. But there's something else there that you ought to catch. Because Moses was there, not Joshua. Or was he? Did you know the Old Testament, the Hebrew meaning of the name Joshua is Jehovah is salvation? Did you know that Jesus' name, Yeshua, in the Greek means Jehovah is salvation? Now, many of you already know this. That Jesus' name and Joshua, just old, just two different languages, but the same name. Did you know that Elijah passed the baton to Elisha? Do you know what Elisha's name means? In the, Hebrew, in the Hebrew, it means God is salvation. And so there stood Elijah and Moses, whose legacy were tied into the passing of the baton. And that being passed on to this generation, to the next generation, until that moment they stood there realizing that their legacy was standing before them. Yeshua. Jehovah is salvation. God is salvation. Was standing there. It's like God honoring Moses and Elijah and sending just them down to the mount to say, here, is your legacy. Here is your legacy. It's Christ himself. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you want your legacy to be? What if you got to the end of your life and people showed at your funeral and here's what they said. His legacy was Jesus. What he left behind him was Christ himself. That is the call of the kingdom. And I don't care what's happened in your past, tomorrow morning when you wake up, God is going to say to you, Joshua, Moses is dead. Yesterday is in the past. 
rise up and take the land. Rise up and give, take the territory that I'm giving you this day. Look for every opportunity to change a life. Find somebody to encourage. Get out of your own disappointment and discouragement. Stop running from the lion and chase that dirty rascal right into his pit. Take him on face to face. Go into worship. Say, Lord, what would you have your servant do? And then just do that. And you'll stand with Moses and Elijah. And your legacy will be Christ himself. Father, today we thank you for what you are. And Lord, we, we admit it. We feel a little schizophrenic. Our past seems to haunt us at times. From yesterday to 30 years ago. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the cross, for the blood of Christ, for the mercy of God. His mercies are new every morning. A fresh beginning you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us get beyond ourselves and begin to move forward knowing that you've given us today to build a legacy. You've given us today to make a difference in somebody's life. We answer that call in Jesus' name. Lord, if there's anybody here in this place today who's never given their heart to Christ, Lord, I just pray the Holy Spirit would do a work right now, as I know you've already been doing. If, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's anyone here this morning, you need to respond to the King. He will save you, and then you will follow him so that he can be the Lord of your life. And if that's you this morning, you've never responded to Christ. You've never said yes to Jesus, but you want to say yes to him this morning. And just lift your hand and let somebody see it this morning. Just lift your hand and let us pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. Just lift your hand and let us pray for you this morning so that we can help you take the next step in your life. Lord, we come to you today and we ask that you would send us in two. Lord, we, we, we come to church and it all sounds so mystical out there, but Lord, you've called us to the simplicity of worship and obedience and to just follow you and be connected to others and find our legacy in the bigger kingdom. Lord Jesus, we answer that call today to be your people. Lord, give us a fresh start. In Jesus' name we pray.